Good morning, welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. Ready to head off to work. Uh, thank you for joining me on this little drive that I take every week. Hope that it will be an eventful one for the both of us. Uh, if you're unfamiliar kind of what I do, I, I just kind of babble and ramble in kind of a stream of consciousness kind of style uh, about current events or subjects or or uh, things that I'm reading or have seen or conversations I've had or whatever uh, and sometimes a combination of many of those uh, it's 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 always a kind of a noisy ride <laughs> there we go right on right on time something moving around in my car as I go around the corners but anyway yeah I'm here in Japan been here for 22 years and uh, for I don't know at least a third of those years I've been going on this drive out to this place to teach once a week every Wednesday and uh, speaking of Wednesdays something's happened that Wednesday has been our gathering night for the past I don't know four years I don't meant more than that. Dude, six. I guess we've been meeting since before. Yeah, six or seven years now. Um, but you know, things change, and so we're gonna we're gonna uh, move the night to Friday. Uh, so from this week, we'll be meeting on Fridays, uh, which I'm actually kind of excited about. Kind of nice to have a new uh, a new start, even if it is just a change of day, but. It's amazing how, how a difference a day makes. <laughs> what a difference a day makes, or how, how much of a difference a change of a day can make. And you know, our, our weeks tend to be filled with routines. We, we usually do the same things on the same days often, and so whatever routines we have on Friday, we'll play into how the uh, Friday night gathering goes. Wednesday being kind of the middle of the week here, as it is in the states many people, uh, I'm sure there was kind of a, you know, kind of a dynamic that happened because of the day we chose it. Uh, so anyway, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, another thing that's going on is we're kind of in the beginning of the new school year. Um, those of us who teach know that uh, school years always start uh, in certain ways and there's a certain amount of uh, trepidation, but also hope and, and excitement for the, the beginning of each new year, and everything's new, and all the students are are fresh, and and so that's what's going on now. And I'm really excited about the 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 gathering that is meeting on Mondays. That uh, they stepped out of uh, our gathering uh, a little over a year ago, and they've been meeting on Mondays. Wow, things are going great there. They've got a lot of youth and, and, and energy and activity and and just very excited about what's going on with, with the Monday group. Um, whereas the Wednesday group were kind of the old fuddy-duddies and, and <laughs> most, of, most of the youth uh, have more or less uh, stepped away from what we've been doing. So we're kind of in a re-evaluating and, and you know, kind of listening, staying open uh, to whichever uh, 
uh, way God might guide us to go through the Holy Spirit. So we'll see how that works out. Who knows? Nobody knows. But still, yet yeah, because it's the beginning of the year, and, and I hope some new students will come as well as some old faces. Uh, uh, there's a lot of hope, uh, I think, and uh, hope is uh, is a nice thing to have. Hope is good. Hope is good. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on with our gathering. I've been reading a book by Wayne Jacobson called So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore, I think it's what it's called, and it's, it's uh, sort of in the vein of uh, The Shack. I want to say it might predate The Shack by a year. Not sure, but Wayne Jacobson, of course, was one of the people involved in that process. Um, but on the concept by William Paul Young, uh, which is now in the states, and I'm very jealous because, man, I wish I could, really wish I could see it. But uh, not out here yet. Supposedly, it's going to come out in May. We'll see how that works out. My guess is it'll be a limited release here, which is kind of sad, but anyway, we'll see. Uh, as you know, I, I, I'm a big supporter of the, the project, especially the book. Uh, as I haven't seen the movie yet, I can't uh, really speak for it, but I've heard a lot about it from the people who are involved in the project, and, and so I guess I'm, I'm cautious, but, but hopeful that the the movie is going to have even a greater impact than the book has had. Uh, and that's something I would love to see because I think the concept of the book uh, is one of the most worthy things I think we can, we can seek after. And that is knowing God for who he truly is. Um, and, and that is a worthy God is a being who wants to be known and doesn't doesn't want to uh, have misconceptions about himself like none of us would want to, right? He wants people to know him for who he truly is. And, and I believe that's why Jesus came to earth. Uh, I think, you know, you can make a case for salvation and you can make a case for uh, a lot of other things being why Jesus came and I think they all play into that. But I think salvation, what we see in salvation and the sacrifice that God makes himself to usher in the salvation of mankind, uh, what that does is tells us exactly the kind of God we serve. That that is who God is. God is, God is not in, in a, uh, a volatile despot but he is uh, a loving, sacrificial, uh, self-sacrificing God. Uh, and that's all he is. And, and that, I, I think that's where people, I don't, think, I don't think most Christians would disagree that God is loving and, and self-sacrificing and, and uh, patient and kind. But we'd, we would also say, yes, but he's also wrathful and angry. He's also punishing. Not only is he forgiving, but he's punishing. And that's...
that's where, uh, to me, that's where the rubber meets the road because humans, my parents included and, and all the people I've known, are a jumbled up mess of conflicting emotions and values. Uh, we are that, okay? Um, and so we, we like to attribute to God human characteristics, right? Which is uh, the official word for that is anthropomorphizing. Say that three times fast. <laughs> uh, okay, anthropomorphizing, anthropomorphizing, anthropomorphizing. That wasn't too bad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we like to ascribe to God emotions in certain situations that reflect how we would feel if we were in the situation. So, for example, if 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 God, who is all loving and sends His Son to sacrifice himself so that people will be saved and yet people reject that salvation and uh, choose not to believe in God and go on living their life the, the, way, the, the way they want to and the way that they see fit. Well, if that were us, we would be like, you know, you ungrateful wretch and now since you won't accept my love, you are going to have a healthy helping of my punishment. Because that's how we, frankly, act. Uh, when we are shunned, uh, when people are ungrateful, our our instinct is to, to then change. You know, well, if you're not going to like that, then I'm not going to give you this kind of thing. You know, tit for tat, in other words. And somehow people think that a God like that is, is not only uh, logical, but good. Well, that's good that God would be that way. And I think that stems from a misunderstanding of a word. And it's not that we don't know what the word means, because it means what it means in our world. But we, again, we anthropomorphize that meaning onto God and say that if it means this to us, it must be the, mean the same thing to God. Uh, and I think in almost every, or almost any term you come across, uh, I think it's a healthy thing to say, yeah, that's what it means for us, but what does it mean for a all-loving and holy God? We might get back to the word holy in a bit. Because it, it kind of stems from this word. So that word is justice. And that word is justice. Uh, and we, we have an idea in our mind, because this is what justice means in our mind, that when someone breaks the law, when someone harms another person, uh, when someone sins or does not obey God, they uh, should receive punishment. Okay, they should be punished. Disobedience should be met with punishment. Okay? Uh, because that's what they believe justice means. And so that's what it means to us. That makes sense, right? We see that in the Old Testament a lot. 
Uh, if you don't do this, I'm going to do this. And, and it's even ascribed to God to say those kinds of things. Uh, but actually, if you look at who Jesus is, and if your view is that Jesus is exactly like God, because Jesus is God, and God is exactly like Jesus, and that Jesus came to show us exactly who God is, and the one event that really pinpoints who God is, is the cross. That he would give up his life for us. That there's no greater love, right? There's no greater love possible in the world than to give up your life for those you love. The Bible says for your friends. Then, uh, you have to rethink justice. If you believe God is exactly who Jesus is, uh, then what you don't see Jesus doing is punishing. Okay, You don't see the Jesus uh, in the in the Gospels punishing those who uh, are acting outside of God's moral laws. Okay, you don't see him punishing those people. So when he comes up to people who uh, are sick, and and the people of the of the New Testament, especially the, the Jews, would have thought that people who are sick are sick because they have sinned, and that the sickness is God's punishment. That's how they would have seen that. But you see God embracing the sick. You see Jesus, God in Jesus, embracing the sick, uh, and not only embracing them but healing them, right? Uh, which. Uh, in a lot of ways, would have looked like forgiveness because uh, God's sickness, or the sickness that people had was seen as God's punishment. So God healing would have been seen as forgiving people of their sins, right? And we see this in the, in the healing of the, the man with the uh, shriveled up hand. Jesus says, what is it easier to, to, to heal this man's hand or to forgive him of his sins, but that you know that Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive to forgive sins, right? Uh, he heals. Uh, this may be the paralytic. He says, "Get up and walk." Uh, actually, um, but anyway, the concept is the same. That Jesus, far from punishing sinners, loved sinners and forgave sinners and embraced sinners and brought sinners into his inner circle and into his life. He came close to sinners. Not only could he dwell, could he be in the presence of sin, he purposely put him in the presence of sinners. Often. Okay? Often. So what does that say about what justice means to God? Well, Wayne Jacobson and others uh, have pointed out that justice to God means something radically different than what it means to us. Namely, reconciliation. Reconciling the sinful back to himself. Reconciling the broken world. Uh, reconciling uh, all of mankind and all of the created universe back to himself. Reconciling from what? Reconciling from sin. 
okay? Reconciling from the, the, the influence and the corruption that is entered into this world uh, since the time of the fall. Okay, so sin is the corrupting influence in the world. Sin has, has brought about all of the... Sin, sin is what has given us the skewed view of what justice really is. Uh, sin is what has uh, given us the skewed view of who God is. You know, we think he's also a wrathful, uh, even killing machine sometimes. Sin has, has, has clouded our judgment uh, and views and even changed uh, terminology. Okay, it's corrupted everything uh, and nothing is immune from it save God himself, which is why Jesus had to come to bring his reconciliating presence into the world, into the corrupt world. And ever since he came, it has been reconciling people back to God. Um, and that is the, uh, that is the meaning of justice to God. It's not, it's not punishment. No, it's reconciliation. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness, right? God is mindful of the corruption that is entered entered into our lives and our bodies and our minds and the entire earth, uh, and really by no fault of our own. Now, I think there is some fault when we choose to not resist it, when we choose to give into it. But even if we're at fault for that, God brings us near. He comes near to us and pulls us close to Him and reconciles us regardless of what we do. Regardless of all that, uh, God's judgment is reconciling the world back to Himself. Um, wow, and I forgot where I started with all this. Um, uh, all right, so God is a just God. I believe God is a just God. I, I believe that is true. But I believe God's justice is reconciliation, not punishment. It's manifest in forgiveness. All right, he manifests his justice in forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, and, yeah, so... Let's go back to holiness. There is a a uh, scripture. I want to say it's in Habakkuk, but it's it's somewhere in the Minor Prophets. I can't remember right now. That says something like, "God cannot look upon sin." That the concept of it is that God is so good, God is so holy, that He cannot even look upon sin, right? And so this one scripture has been taken to mean uh, that, that when we are sinful, God's presence cannot be, cannot be near us. It's not possible, right? That God is just too good, He's too pure, uh, that He cannot even look upon sin, that He does not even look upon sin. Well, wow, that, that statement if you take it at face value, excuse me, 
is wrought with problems. First of all, most believers believe that God is omnipresent. In other words, He is everywhere. He is present everywhere. Now, if you believe that the sin and even the entire universe has been uh, mean something else. And, and I think, again, one of the reasons we get into a problem of defining God's holiness is because, you know, from our our corrupted brains and bodies and environment, we are so utterly corrupted by sin. When we try to define an attribute that only applies to God, uh, at least consistently, we're going to get into problems. I mean, there's just, you know, 
it's, it's a bit beyond us. But I will say from my new understanding that, that Jesus is exactly who God is, no more and no less, uh, that changes my concept of what holiness is. Holiness is not some uh, hyper idea of, of justice and punishment, right? Of, of purity. Uh, holiness and the holiness of God can, is seen in the way that He, in my opinion, loves unconditionally everyone. That He has no hate or darkness in Him whatsoever. I know that there have been Old Testament scriptures that have used the word hate, that God hates this or God hates that. I'm here to tell you that we need to rethink that. That if we don't, if we don't put those scriptures through the uh, filter of Jesus, then we're never going to have an understanding at all, a working understanding of what those scriptures mean and what they're trying to say. Uh, I think we need to have a little bit more discernment uh, when reading those problematic Old Testament scriptures. And I think the way to, to, to get that discernment is by understanding who Jesus is and having a relationship with him in the real time, right? And a good start is to read the Gospels and to reread the Gospels and to spend a lot of time in the Gospels. And to get to know Jesus so well as He is in the Gospels that that when you read the rest of Scripture, uh, He will guide you to understanding those in His light. Not in the, not in the dim light of our own understanding, but in, in his, his own light, His pure light. Um, and that's kind of where my theology is now. You know, that's how I understand the Bible. That's how, how I understand Jesus and, and who God is. Uh, everything I, I, I read, I really try to understand through the true light of who Jesus is. Uh, and I'm sure I fail quite often. Um, but that's, that's my hope. Uh, that's where I'm trying to get to. Uh, yeah, so, re rethink some of those words that, that we throw around in churchianity, uh, words like holiness and justice, uh, and, and see if they don't end up with a little bit more nuance to them when when read through the lens of Jesus. And I would say the, the other three to add to that are the Omnis. Um, I don't, I'm not talking about the uh, Omnimax Theater. I'm talking about omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. Uh, what do those mean in, in light of Jesus? And I haven't gone there yet either. That's, that's, I guess that'll be my next thing to, uh, to ramble about. And again, these are not things that I've, what I'm saying right here is that I'm really, you're, you're, you're hearing my thought process. I'm thinking out loud. I'm working through these things. 
this is not, you know, I don't sit down and make notes for this stuff. This is just what comes off the top of my head. And I do this because I want to know what I'm thinking. And I want to know what it sounds like to other people. And so if you get a chance to, to, to write me back and, and, you know, if you've listened to one podcast or several, I would really love to know if, if they're having any effect. If, if what I hope is going on with this, uh, with, na- namely that I'm articulating well what I'm thinking. Uh, then I'd like to know that. I'd, I'd like some some feedback, positive or negative. Any kind of feedback uh, would be great. So I'm uh, getting close. I want to drink a little bit of coffee before I get to my destination. So we're at almost 29 minutes. It's a good enough place to be. Uh, love you guys, and uh, yeah, just um, hang in there. Uh, fight the good fight. And don't accept everything that, uh, you know, that the world uh, throws at you. Uh, don't, ad- don't accept everything that the church throws at you either. There's a lot of, there's a lot of discernment that's needed in the world today. And uh, I pray that you're on that journey. Thanks a lot. Bye, guys.